everyone, and welcome back to Next Steps with me, your host, Natalie Morris. Today, we have a new guest on the show, and I'm super excited to introduce you to my longtime friend, Michael. The crowd goes wild. (laughs) (laughs) The crowd goes wild. There's no crowd. So just as usual, we're going to go through with an introduction of Michael some life updates from both of us, a little bit about a topic for today, which it's going to look a little bit different than what we usually talk about here on the show. And then, of course, an outro talking about what to expect for next time, some big changes coming up here in the future of our podcast. So a little bit about Michael. I met Michael my, what was it, my sophomore year, your junior year? Right. Yeah, that's when we really got to, yeah. to know each other. But of course, like you were in studio your freshman year. Yes. Um, and I was there too. So yeah, so we knew of each other, but we really didn't mm-hmm. become great friends until that um, that spring semester right. of that second, or my second year, your third year, mm-hmm. because we were able to play a duet together <laughs> for the Solar Flare Festival. Festival, yeah. yeah. That was the first composer in residence or clarinet composer festival that Dr. Ferra had at Colorado State University. Mm-hmm. So it was so much fun. And Michael and I got to know each other really well. <laughs> Many hours. Yeah. It was great. Yeah, there's some great recordings. I might still have access to them of us trying to play this piece uh, by Dr. Was she Dr. Teresa Martin? I think she was Dr. Yeah. I'm going to call her Dr. Martin, even if she wasn't Dr. Martin. Um, and her pieces are all over the place. Very technically challenging. And technically challenging, RLE challenging. It's, <laughs> right. It was a really interesting experience, not only from a individual performer experience, but also as a duet experience, because yep. there were so many different harmonies and structures and rhythms that we had to fit together. So it was it was very interesting for sure. But maybe if we can find access, find and access some of those recordings, um, maybe some right. bonus content for the Insta. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the one in particular where we... Our pages were out of order. <laughs> That's what happened. And we're going through this, like, I don't know, kind of hacking through it. And we get to that bit and we're like, ooh, that is not the right part. <laughs> so we just both stop and go, ugh. <laughs> and you hear it in the recording. It's like, I don't know what is happening, but this is not right. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think there were several times that that happened. You know, that, but that was the most memorable because I think we did the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I remember correctly. But I, I think I have access to that file still. So I can, cool. I can send it to you. Listeners, if you've noticed, I'm sure that our sound quality sounds a lot different than usual. This is all um, credit to Michael. I I have the pleasure of joining him in his apartment where we have an entire audio setup. We each have microphones. We've got headphones. I feel like a real podcaster now. I'm not just like someone who's sitting on my bedroom floor like <laughs> with Zoom. So this is great. Thank you for having yeah, me Yeah, no, here. it's my pleasure. And uh, I have the means. You're here. We wanted to do this, so... It only made sense to to lend my gear to a good cause for a couple <laughs> couple hours here and, and give you something to talk about. It's going to be great. So before we get into kind of our life updates, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Other than, you know, you probably play clarinet. I'm sure our uh, listeners have gathered that so far. But tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, what you're up to, things like that. Yeah, so I grew up in northern Colorado, just south of Fort Collins in Loveland. And that's where I was born and raised for the most part. Um, So going to college was something that was always something I knew I was going to do. And when it came to it, I applied to CU and to CSU. And my mom went to CU to go see what the vibe was like. And she's like, you're going to CSU. And I was like, cool, (laughs) thanks, mom. So that was an easy decision. And then she also went to CSU for her doctorate. So we uh, kept the Rams in the family. And now we have three Rams in that household. (laughs) So that worked out well. And of course, before that, though, in high school is when I really started discovering my passion for music. My story about clarinet is my arms were too short to to play the trombone. So (laughs) I have a similar trombone story. (laughs) I wanted to play trombone at the instrument tryout night, but my mom was like, you can literally fit in the case. You can't carry that to school. So I chose the clarinet. Yeah. And I think the other thing that we should tell young listeners if they ever show up is, uh, Sometimes if you play a big instrument, you're going to have to run around your high school with it during band camp, during training. So uh, choose something small, piccolo, even. <laughs> just put it in your pocket and do your mile run. So, so Michael has more experience than I do with that. I only have college oh, marching band experience. Oh, so that's okay. a, a hot tip yeah. for listeners. Yeah. Um, so in high school, again, I, I worked with uh, Mr. Peter Taves. I ha- I'm in this habit of calling everyone doctor at this point because, I don't know, for for the last several years of 
my education, everyone's been doctor. So calling someone Mr. is is a weird change. But I worked and studied under him for, of course, the four years in high school. And we had some great experiences together. I was trying to think of a way earlier to say this that doesn't come across as like totally egotistical, but I was the only one that made Allstate um, my junior and senior year. And then after that, it took like three years until someone from that school made Allstate again. So he and I spent a lot of time going to honor bands together, just the two of us driving to places like UNC. And um, I think we went to Fort Collins High School for something and stuff like that. So it was uh, it was a good opportunity to get to know him. And he left a big impression on me. And I come to find out a few weeks ago that he actually won Educator of the Year for Thompson School District. Wow. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you deserve that so much. And he's so humble that in his text, he's like, yeah, I, I don't think Aaron did. I'm like, really? <laughs> you know how much you work overtime as a teacher doing marching band and all these events and you don't think you deserve it? You're you're the best out there. Like I've had college professors that had worse hands than him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I probably shouldn't say that, <laughs> but I said it. So <laughs> yeah. get me. look at that. The impact of music teachers on students. So right. let's fast forward a little bit to CSU. Mm-hmm. Now, you're not exactly a music major, right? That's correct. Yeah. So music was something that I loved in high school. I got lessons all through high school um, from a private teacher up in northern Colorado. And going into college, it was like, all of that would be completely for naught if if I just quit music then and there. Um, I knew I was going to do marching band freshman year because you get a little nice scholarship. And then second year came around and I also did it again there. Now, at the end, it was around November of my freshman year. Somehow, I don't really remember how it came up other than being with people in marching band. I auditioned for the clarinet studio at semester, which was like a weird exception that was made for me. So basically, I went and played C-Rows number six for Dr. Ferreira in his office. And uh, we just sat there. I played it for him. He enjoyed it enough that he took me into the studio. And I was in it from... Then until I think the end of my junior year, um, as a music minor, I never said that, sorry, I was a biology major (laughs) and a music minor. And as part of the music minor requirements, I think it was only six semesters of studio. Um, Yeah, I think that's right. One, two, three, four, five. Then I would have had to have done it my, oh, maybe it was only four. I don't know. I can't remember if I did it my senior year. I don't think I did. I seem to remember you in ensembles, though, senior I was, yeah. So we needed eight credits of ensembles for the minor. And that was how that came to be, that I was in ensembles all the way out. So you just didn't take lessons? um, Not senior year that I can remember, but I think I'm missing something. Okay. I might have done it the the fall of senior year, but I really can't remember. Yeah. All I remember is sitting with Michael, we were both playing bass clarinet in wind symphony and we that were working thing, on a piece on, called sorry. wine darks. That thing <laughs> was so okay. mean. <laughs> the, the bass clarinet played me dirty. <laughs> so, before we get into, hold on. Um, okay, okay. Before we get into that, um, I, I am a, a B flat clarinetist, right? I played E flat at all state orchestra at the end of high school. It was the worst experience of my life. I was the only person playing E flat at the top orchestra for high schoolers, you know, you really only want one. Yeah, I know. I know. But it was a pain. (laughs) It was disgusting. Um, and then I get to, to CSU and I make wind symphony, um, which was incredible. I don't know how that happened. And I was paired with Henry who was also playing bass clarinet at the time. And we had to play like wine, dark sea or something. I don't, something came in with this low F right away and our reads would never like it. Like they would just not vibrate. So we would just be like, (gasps) and that's all the sound that we would get and our professors got so mad at us and henry were like we don't know what to do we soaked our reeds thoroughly we come out on stage we soak we soak we soak the downbeat comes and it's (sighs) instead of or whatever so anyway back to your story okay well this is great because you know i knew michael as you know, B-flat clarinetist and also bass clarinetist, but there came to be a time when we were both playing bass clarinet together. And I think that's when we played Wine Dark Sea. Oh, okay. Because okay. I remember sitting with you and and right next to you and just... <laughs> with the little keys on the clarinet, putting all our fingers on. And it was just... You know, Dr. Phillips never yelled at us, ever. We never got reprimanded. <laughs> but it was just... 
<laughs> oh, those were the, the days. Best. I think about that quite often. So then after, there's so many stories in college, and if they come up as we continue our discussion, they, they'll come up. But um, after, uh, let's see. So we got to like January 2020. We did the CBMA? What was the oh. conference? Colorado Bandmasters. Colorado Bandmasters CBMA, Association. Right. That was my freshman year, and it was CMEA. Oh, 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 oh. It was okay. my... It was CMEA. It was the senior, uh, my junior, senior year one. My junior year or your senior year, yeah. That was our last performance before COVID shut us down. Right. And right. that was, I remember, because that was the day that COVID entered Colorado. And as soon as we'd gotten back to CSU, you know, everybody got back to their houses. Michael texted me and he was like, COVID's in Colorado because Michael being a, you know, biology major has yeah. been what really he tracked this as it was announcing and, you know, developing and I remember reading this text and turning to my roommates and just screaming, we're all gonna die. Oh, no. And all my roommates were like, what the heck are you talking about? And, you know, momentary freakout was done, but like, right. COVID. Right. So after all of that happened, um, I graduated May 2020 online. I didn't have a graduation ceremony or anything. Yeah, I know. They did a, a walk across the oval in like November of 2020, I'm like, I've been graduated for six months. I couldn't care less. So I, I didn't even do that. And I re- already returned my cap and gown money because I didn't get that because I ordered it really late. Um, so I didn't get any of that. But I went and retook my MCAT in August 2020. And if you see where this story is going, I eventually got accepted into medical school in November 2020 over a Zoom interview, <laughs> which are so weird, but they've kept it going, which is good. It saves some costs for students traveling. And that's where I am now. I am, we have three weeks left of our semester. I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but our semester (laughs) may be done. (laughs) Um, And it's, it is a beast. (laughs) So anyway. Michael's so amazing. He studies so much. And I know that's kind of what you have to do to become a doctor. Like you have to know, you have to study, you have to know how this, how the body works and everything. But it's just so amazing. Like I, I look at you and I see your commitment and devotion to this and it inspires me to keep going Aww. with everything that I'm doing, you know, because I think of what I'm doing, music education, you know, right now teaching elementary students. And I'm like, oh, well, that's not as hard as studying to be a doctor. So you know, I can do <laughs> I <would> this. I argue <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> Kids are crazy. Parents I mean, are you're not crazy. wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> like, I'm sure my first year of teaching is going to be absolutely nuts. And if we can find time, we're going to have to, like, sit down and like, talk through it all. Right. Yeah. Right. And I was thinking, it, there are some analogous bits to it that, like, a lot of your training, um, you mentioned on an episode some weeks ago, is a lot in the field. Like, you're given the tools with getting your um, bachelor's at, at CSU with these professors and they'll give you the tools. You do the outreach programs, you go and do your shadowing for a semester or is it two? It's a semester of shat, of like not shadowing, teaching? sorry, student teaching. Yeah, yeah. That's the pre-med <laughs> bit coming out. You do your student teaching, which is only a semester. So it's like yeah. really how much can you learn there? A lot of it's coming from being in the field and it's really the same with us that sure we do four years of undergrad. We do four years of this medical school stuff. And then we do three to five years of residency, but what you really learn is when you're alone in the room with a patient and you have no idea how to treat their condition. So you come back out of the room, you find someone older than you and you say, Hey, what's going on here? And the education comes when you're in the, on the field, I guess, in the real world. And that's really uh, something that's similar, I think, between what we're doing. Absolutely. Yeah. This is great. Well, shall we move into our life updates? Let's do it. Okay. So I have, a list. I've made a list because (laughs) yes, listeners, it's been a very long time and I apologize since I've updated this podcast. Part of the reason is because things have gotten really busy over the last few weeks. Um, You know, my peers in the music ed department are really wrapping things up. Some of them have already finished their student teaching at this point. Some of them are in their final stages. They're conducting their concerts and it's just a very busy time. So I have wanted to reach out less and less to my friends to bother them (laughs) to come be on this podcast. So Many thanks to Michael for making time for me yeah. on a Saturday night. It worked out great. I was driving down, worked out great. So um, I've come up with a few pretty big life updates here, and they're honestly most of them are involving my career, things like that. So just some some life updates from a few weeks ago. 
I, over the Easter weekend, I came down with COVID. Oh. Yay. So uh, that was really interesting. I thought it was... Speaking just... of that obscure virus in China in January yeah. 2020. Speaking of, yeah. I finally got COVID. Um, so I had gone down to see my family that weekend, and I went to an Easter party. Mm. And so when I finally realized that I was positive, I got really stressed. But nobody else except for my parents, my immediate family, got it, which was great. And, you know, I... Thought it was just a cold, but over, you know, out of abundance and caution, I tested myself Monday morning before I went to school, came back positive. So I got to take a week of vacation that was, you know, not, not the, quite Yeah, vacation. not the most fun week of vacation. Yeah. <laughs> not the most fun week of vacation, but um, it was vacation nonetheless. And it was, a, it was a disappointing time to have to take vacation. I missed some concerts that I wish I would have mm. been a part of, but it's okay. Um, and about a week or two after that, I had my last college class of my undergraduate degree. Yeah. The crowd roars again. The crowd <laughs> roars. I love it. Yes. So, and it was, it was really interesting because it was over Zoom. It was a seminar class and, you know, we, we really talked about content all the way up to the end. Dr. Johnson read us a poem at the end and then Aww. we all like sayonara waved off and just exited the Zoom call and there I was sitting in my elementary classroom just like, okay, well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> How climactic. Yeah. It was a, it was a very interesting moment. I'll, I'll, I'll say that for sure. I did get to conduct at the kindergarten concert that week. So even though I missed two of the concerts, I did get to be part of one. So that was a lot of fun. I helped manage the kids, you know, which always is required at kindergarten <laughs> concerts and run some audio. And it was, it was, so this was a big moment because I hadn't realized how much knowledge I had. For example, we used some tracks with the kindergarten kids. Mm. For example, one of them was the Ansco marching. And when we ran through this in our dress rehearsal, the kids did not stick with the track. Like they were singing way too slow. So we were trying to brainstorm what to do with this. And the art teacher actually suggested just playing the intro to the track and then stopping it. So my mentor teacher and I, we walked into the, you know, the audio closet and she was trying to figure out what, where the time was like at what second mark to stop the music. But then I, I just like, knew the cadence of the music, you know, like musicians know, and then you stop it or whatever, Mm -hmm. you know? So that was a moment in my brain where I was like, oh, when you become the only person who knows about music and your entire building and nobody else understands like, oh, stop it after the introduction. They don't, they don't get that. You have to give them like a numerical. (laughs) Stop it after uh, 16 counts and no more. Thank you. (laughs) Exactly. I hadn't thought about that piece of it before when you're the only person in your building. And so that was kind of a wake up call. It was like, oh, when you get out into the world, you're, you're going to have to learn different ways to explain things versus like, oh, stop it here. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't know something different that I had to refresh my brain on. On a more positive note, I did get to go down to Austin at the end of April. So that was a lot of fun. Went down for a weekend. I got to go see uh, Marcus's sister, Rachel, perform in Carmen. So it was fantastic to see the opera. Speaking of Carmen. Oh, wait. Never mind. I said Wine Darcy. But also, wait, you and I played Carmen. Did we? No, it was Henry. It was Henry. Henry. That was also (laughs) a mess. (laughs) Bass clarinet was not kind, but it it was fun, but it wasn't kind. (laughs) Michael has a lot of stories about bass clarinet. Yeah. Oh, that other one. (laughs) He knows exactly what I'm talking about. (laughs) She's she's saying no. She's saying I shouldn't tell the story. We'll we'll save it for another time. Maybe if our (laughs) listeners pick it out and realize that we have another story... We'll tell it. Okay, that's for the next time I come back. For the next which time. kind of so that's a way of locking me into coming back again. Yes. Um, stay tuned for that one bass clarinet <laughs> story that everyone knows about. <laughs> yes. Yes. But anyway, so I got to go see Carmen. Um, I got to hang out with some people down there. I played sand volleyball for the first time in a long oh. time. Yeah. I so I played volleyball for like a year in high school, and okay. then I just didn't. There's a backstory there, but it's too depressing, so we're oh, gonna move no. past it. <laughs> So, but I had a really great time and I was actually doing really well. So I'm realizing that like, oh, exercise can be fun again. That's great. Yeah. We were just talking about how exercise is sad sometimes. It's a challenge. Yeah. Like you really have to make yourself do it. 
Yeah. Otherwise, it won't happen. Yeah. And we just we just made cookies, and <laughs> Natalie's had like four of them already. So you yeah. you just got to make it happen. That way, you can have the cookies at night. Yeah. And not feel so bad about it. Well, see, you'd be proud of me because I've started doing, and I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I've started doing like physical therapy exercises. Yeah. I in the I morning. You, yeah. Yeah. So. Well, that has been a really good habit, except for this last week when I didn't do them at all because I was curling my hair every single day because I had like <laughs> interviews and, and all these other stuff. So I need to get back on that train. Yeah. Yeah. But Michael was telling me about a recent exercise activity he did where he was running outside. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> so let's see. Around, I think it was around August, I was informed that I needed to exercise more. So like March 2020 hit, I never really lifted weights until that point. And then for like two or three days a week, I've been doing weight training since then. So for like two years and some change, I've been doing uh, weights at least twice or three times a week, which is tremendous for me. Like that's me two years ago would have never done that until I made that decision just randomly. August of 2021, I was informed that I should add some more cardio to my lifestyle. So I took up running. So three days a week, I'm in the gym running. And it's not too long. It's like 20 minutes, typically. Um, lately, I've decided to do the thing and venture outside <laughs> again. Scary world. It is. Um, and I don't like running outside. It makes everything in my body hurt. It makes my mouth get all cottony. And I've done it again. So in the past, I don't know, four weeks, I've run outside twice, which is a lot for me. <laughs> this morning was only two miles and it was really slow, but I was telling Natalie, we might have to censor this. If I run too quick, I come back and regurgitate <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's painful. It's not comfortable. So yeah, I have to run really slowly when I run. Um, and by really slowly, I mean, it's still faster than walking, but it's not as fast as like a, a good... A good old jaunt there. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. we were debating about what constitutes running and what constitutes jogging and what constitutes walking earlier. Right. You know, because it's they're very different speeds. And I made the point that like I think it's different for every person. Mm -hmm. Like one person's running could be another person's jogging. Probably not walking. But you never know. One yeah. person's jog could be another person's walk. Some people walk really fast. Right. I think, you know, from a walk to jog you have to have bounce. I think that's the bounce. that's the absolute that's the key. Other than that, I don't know how you differentiate. It's not like a horse where you have a canter, a trot, and a gallop, right? And a full blown. Well, I mean, get I guess we here. could we could give names to all those movements. They do exist. Okay, we'll look it up in an exercise physiology book later on, and we'll report back our findings. That sounds like a really fun activity. <laughs> I know this is what I do on my Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but exercise. Exercise is great. I always like to say I only run if I'm chasing something or being chased. You know, that's that's my uh my philosophy on running. But I have taken to the stair machine, which really oh. gets my heart going. Yeah. And last time I was at the gym, I did 30 minutes of the stair machine and then 30, 30 minutes of walking uphill. So I thought that was a good Whew. like No, that sounds like yeah, a good, good cardio thing. A good amount. Yeah. But anyway, moving past, kind of we're moving more into this week. A lot of things have happened in the past week. I had um, three interviews. One of them was a second round interview in which I prepared an entire presentation on a cross-curricular student experience involving all the specials at this school. So I, I put a lot of work and effort into that. Um, and then I had two interviews as first round interviews at schools. So we'll see how that goes. Um, they're all elementary schools so far. However, I think that I'm going to start paring down some of my applications because as I'm getting more in-depth into some of these interviews, I'm realizing kind of more of my goals and how that wants to look. So more on that That's at another exciting, time. Huh? Yeah, but lots of interviews. It's making me feel more secure that I'm going to be able to get a job. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's nice. But the other big thing that happened this week was graduation. So I graduated. With my undergraduate degree, my bachelor's degree in music education yesterday, Friday. So, Man, so cool. Did you do a minor? No, no. I don't think any of our music ed people who are graduating this fall did a minor. Okay. I think we're going to have some people next fall or next spring who are doing minors. 
people who are doing them for like a five-year program added a minor. Is it so, just too busy to fit really in a minor? Busy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's really busy. So usually people just stick with the the major. Um, but yeah, no, I graduated. I felt really fantastic about it. I got to wear the entire cap and gown. I had a custom Jealous. stole made. I know. Michael's <laughs> like, Ugh, I should bring this up. My graduation was <laughs> nothing. Wasn't even online. Yeah. <laughs> we also had a courting ceremony the night before. So that was unique to the School of Education. And everyone gathered in Griffin Concert Hall at the UCA. So it was, you know, it felt very homey. And then you chose one person to be the person to court you. And then um, you wrote a little statement about them. So I obviously chose Dr. Ferreira because Dr. Ferreira has been a huge influence on me. So it was it was a really fantastic moment and very positive. So I think a lot of people took that and and kind of went with it. And it was great. We got light blue kind of powder blue Mm. cords. So we wore those and it was it was really great. I enjoyed yeah. all the things. And I was surprised, actually. I felt that the speaking portion of graduation was a lot shorter oh, than I thought it was going I to be. I thought that was going to go the other way. Yeah. Well, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> yeah. No, it was a good thing. We we basically stayed at two hours for the entire graduation for the College of Liberal Arts. So it was, it was amazing. And I think it was shorter because a few of our speakers just kind of like didn't make it. Did but. Wind Symphony have to play? No. Or? So this okay. is an interesting fact. My freshman year, Wind Symphony was deemed a fire hazard. Yeah, that's I was there f- for that. Yeah. yeah, I was there for that. Yeah. Yeah, because that was spring of, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So we were deemed a fire hazard, but there was a brass quintet. However, I wish they would have placed the brass quintet more towards the front of the arena. I think my band director might have been in your brass quintet. Oh, maybe. That's weird. Perhaps. Because he's done it in the past. Oh, really? Yeah. So cool. I don't know. You might have walked right by him. I might have. Not have known. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I just wish we had been able to hear them a little bit better. But ouch, roasted! <laughs> You're playing inside of a, a basketball. It's massive. Um, yeah, room, stadium. I don't know, arena, basketball arena. arena, and like any acoustics in that sort of environment regardless of the band you you're gonna need like really close amplification yeah but it needs to be like the right amount that it's not feeding back, which is a big challenge. Unless it's like. The marching band or the pep band, That's then you're true. not going to have well, any problems. Because who cares about just have- Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, you're just blasting and hoping something stays in the room. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, a lot of life updates on my end. Sorry, listeners, for not being able to update you um, sooner than three weeks, but it's chill. We're good. Michael, do you have any updates you'd like to share with us? It has been. An extremely busy week, and I, I apologize for pulling up my phone oh, right it's in okay. front of you I to mean, remind myself of the pain. I have to do that every single nah, time. No, nah, so. it's good. Um, one thing that Natalie said that reminded me of something about the music minor was early on, uh, well, I don't know, there were contentions in, in the studio when I first started because minors were getting lessons with graduate students. It never really bothered me. But if anyone's listening to this and they're interested in the minor, that might be something that they want to know. Um, we had some fantastic graduate students that taught me, like Lara, who is now Dr. Lara, um, and also Dr. Javier Elizondo, who I th- hope will be on your podcast sometime. That'd be fun. I will make him be on your podcast <laughs> sometime. And they were both fantastic. Two very different teaching styles, but uh, both of them pushed me. Uh, pretty hard on juries and that sort of thing, which were requirements that we had to do. Okay, let's skip ahead from that like two years. So this week, <laughs> more let's recent see. life updates. <laughs> let's go back to. Um, okay. Oh, 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 yeah. This oh. was the week. <laughs> oh. Monday, we started out with a microbiology exam. Oh. That was a good time. Um, oh. I did okay on it. Tuesday, they had something, we were doing competencies. My competency was the week before. So can you explain a little bit what a competency is? Yeah. So competency for us mostly means like checking that you understand the skill. So we have different ones. We have like clinical skills ones, which are more next year. And we also have what are called osteopathic competencies since it's an osteopathic medical school. And those are where we learn to manipulate joints and I guess bones and muscles and things. Uh, to help the body facilitate its own healing. Now, that is like the the textbook answer right there. But Ah. basically, stuff gets gunked up sometimes in your body. Your body has a way to heal it, so we just help it get along. So that's what that competency day was, was checking those skills. Um, Wednesday, lackluster day, just lectures from 8 a.m. until like 4.30 p.m. Lectures. Yep. (laughs) Thursday, we had another exam with 
a full day of lectures afterward. Uh, Friday, yesterday, we took a quiz. So it was, oh, and then there was more after the quiz. We had a, we had a standardized patient, which is where actors come in that are hired by the school. They come into the school and pretend they're a patient with a condition. They memorize a whole script of like, when did it start? Uh, what's your job? Who in your family has a disease? Hmm. Um, do you smoke? Do you do tobacco? Do you drink caffeine? All this stuff. And you interview them, you get their medical history and, and do all this stuff. But this one yesterday was the motivational interview. <laughs> so you're trying to invoke your patient to, to make a change. Oh. And like make me stop eating four chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> so this one was about, um, I don't know if I can say this. I'm going to say it. And if I get in trouble, too bad. The The patient had poorly controlled diabetes, and I was supposed to motivate them to mostly alter their diet more than anything. I took a more holistic approach, and they didn't like that. Mm-hmm. I was talking about what can we do with exercise? Can we increase intensity of exercise? Can we try some different exercise? And then the patient asked for a higher dose of medication. I'm like, oh, that sounds reasonable. I know nothing about pharmacology yet, so let's just look into that. And then they're like, no, you don't do that. Try to exhaust the diet option first. I'm like, how, I don't know. I'm supposed to know that. Um, so that was challenging. And I think I need to come up with a script yeah. for you sometime. Oh, oh, <laughs> for what change? Like if I could be your patient to test your knowledge, I wonder what kind of conditions do I have? <laughs> I'm a pretty healthy person. Except the back thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> my, my now chronic back thing. <laughs> yeah. So that's been the extent of this week. Uh, that's a pretty heavy week for us. Yeah, Typically, that's a lot. It's two a exams, a quiz, and then two full days of lectures. So are you still on Zoom for your lectures? Uh, it, it depends. Um, <laughs> they've tried around March to bring stuff back in person, and then our professor got COVID. Mm. So they went back to, to Zoom heavily. And people really like Zoom lectures because they're recorded. And people can watch them back at two times speed. Yeah. Um, I don't really... for studying. Yeah. I don't particularly enjoy that. I think if things were normal, I would love to be in the lecture hall. Just digesting it like old school. Yeah. Um, it's hit or miss. Uh, mm-hmm. Labs have been in person all year which has been good for us. Even in January, we were, we were having so much COVID on campus. Like mm-hmm. um, certain dissection groups only had two people. Man. And um, I think one group might've had one person. And at how one many point. do you usually have? Four. Oh yeah. So losing that many people is detrimental to getting stuff done quickly. But those have those labs and our like clinical skills where we learn to do your head, eyes, ears, nose, throat exam, cardiovascular exam, pulmonary exam, all that stuff has been in person, which is good. And it, it will stay that way based on what I can tell. Like we would need something catastrophic to happen. I hmm. probably just manifested that. <laughs> Let me just knock on. Okay. Yeah, okay. We're good. Great. All so solved. that's been this week and we just have a few more weeks left. We get a little bit of a summer break. Yeah. What does that look like for you? I think it's like five weeks, five weeks. I'm not planning on doing much. And then second year is very intense. And then third and fourth year, we're on to rotations out in the real world, doing like surgery and OB-GYN, family medicine, internal medicine, all of those crazy things. You said so, OB-GYN? OB-GYN. Is that how you call it? And within the medical circles? I've heard people call it both ways. I also have someone, I heard someone say abdomen as abdomen yesterday. So I, my life is a lie. Aluminium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man, this is crazy. Wild. Hmm. It's a very busy time, but yeah. like this year has flown by. Yeah. I have no doubt that the next three years will fly by. And then after that, when I'm in residency getting paid like, $10,000 a year. <laughs> I'm sure that that will go by quickly. And then I will be a official physician out in the real world, that's ready crazy. to save some lives and wow. do that sort of thing. Wild. Well, I think that's a really fantastic transition into more of our topic. And of course, with all of my new guests, I always ask the question, what are your next steps? So you've kind of outlined a little bit, um, 
of the immediate future. So if you want to tackle that question more broadly, kind of what your goal is for pursuing this this path, that would be awesome. Yeah. So immediate next steps are survive this year, begin second year. <laughs> I think that that will be exciting. It's a good checklist. To, yeah. That will we'll kind of be the big dogs on campus. Get to push some first years around a little bit, make fun of them, um, make fun of how loud they are. Because that happened to a group of people I was with in like the first week of classes, we were walking down the hallway. I wasn't saying anything, but some second year and a professor were like, man, these first years are so loud. And I was like, really? <laughs> Forget you, dude. <laughs> so maybe they weren't used to having people on campus after COVID because I don't know, stuff was pretty closed down until we started in, in July of last year. So after the four years, when I get my degree, I'm thinking about a family medicine residency I really like the the breadth that it offers. It's a like you know a lot. Sorry, you know a little about a lot, and I like that for me. I think it reflects my interests best. Like clearly, I enjoy music. I did clarinet studio for however many semesters, which we still don't know because I have a shoddy memory <laughs> apparently. Um, I do my own oil changes, so that's like a nice. complete contrast. I built my own gaming computer, which is right in front of Natalie that's right really now. Cool. Um, what else? Uh, I like to sleep. <laughs> like my interests are <laughs> widely, I like cookies. <laughs> so my interests are widely varied. And I think that that's conducive to being a really good family medicine physician rather than going into something like ob <laughs> where you know a whole lot about one thing. And right. that doesn't interest me too much. So family medicine, is that like what I think of family medicine? I think of like the traditional doctor, like you go in for a doctor's visits I think I've heard it other ways, like internal medicine. What What is the difference between some of these things? Yeah, internal medicine is a subspecialty of family medicine, as far as I know. If not, it's its own. It actually might be its own residency. That's three years. Um, sports medicine is a subspecialty of family medicine, which is interesting to me. Hmm. That seems weird. But yeah, you're right. Family medicine, also known as like primary care. My hip just okay. popped. Nice. Um, I hope that made it into the microphone. <laughs> Uh, that's who typically you're okay. going to see if if you're not feeling well. Right, or, yearly or checkups. if you're doing a yearly checkup, yeah. yeah. So are you going to work mostly with adults, do you think? Otherwise, you do pediatrics, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, if you really like working with kids, you'll do pediatrics. You're still going to deal with adults. Right. Because yeah, <laughs> that's the nature of working with kids, as you know. <laughs> so I haven't had to work with that many adults, oh, as in, like, good. parents yet. Yeah. Because okay. I've been very, you know in the classroom right and like generally with our standardized patients i think it's pretty reflective of the population at large i I don't know maybe that's not fair to say but it's a lot of like people in their late 50s 70s obviously that's a lot of the population right now (laughs) so it that's what it turns out to be and when i've shadowed family medicine in the past it's you get a whole range of people you get people that are, I'm trying to think of the youngest patient that I saw, uh, probably in their teens up to, to people in their eighties. So you see everyone in between, mm-hmm. you see almost every condition that could exist come in through you. Right. So it's, that's a lot of, of who you're seeing is, is definitely adults. You'll get some newborns cause you're taking care of a mom and then yes. you're going to get their kid right. and then you'll get that kid. And I think that that's something that's really cool. Um, when I've yeah. shadowed in family medicine, the physician has talked a lot about making a connection with the family. And he knows parents that had a kid that now are having a kid because he's getting to that point in his career. It's cool. And that's really crazy to me, but it sounds so exciting. (laughs) You know, that happens in the world of teaching too. Oh. My first placement at my middle school, the teacher is retiring this year. And he talks about how he has children of previous students now in his Mm. program and just, and sees them. And it's just, I think it could happen in any, well, almost any, you know, profession where you're working with people is you've got that right. generational, as long as those people stick around. You yeah. Know? But that's something that's pretty exciting to me as yeah. well, because you don't really see that, especially not in emergency medicine where <laughs> like someone comes in and they're missing half of X, Y, or Z. Mm-hmm. And you're like, let me sew that back together. Yeah. You see them hopefully right. once. Then, yeah. <laughs> hopefully once. We don't like frequent flyers yeah, in the emergency room. That's dangerous. Yeah. And then you send them on their way and then you never see them again. Yeah. So those sorts of connections I think are, are really cool. And you, you really get to meet 
valuable. Mm, that's not the right way to say it. You get value from people mm. by doing that, um, which I think is good for the soul, like yeah. to make those connections rather than, again, like orth- orthopedic surgery, which is a really cool specialty, yeah. but you're not making your patients unconscious for eight yep. hours while you're with yep. them. You don't yep. get to know them or anything about them at all. And I mean, than, some people prefer it that way, you know, less. That's uh, true. That's true. That's what pathology is for mm-hmm. or radiology. Even these people sit behind their computer, looking at slides, looking at samples, write a note, send it back to the physician and mm-hmm. they don't talk to anyone. And I met, uh, while shadowing, I met some physicians that were like that. I asked them, if you would go back, would you choose family medicine again? And one guy was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I was like, I can tell. <laughs> but he was very, very, very smart. And he was pretty good with patients, but I could tell that he right. he would have liked to do something else. <laughs> so moving towards your um, the last few years of your program in med school, you said you're going to be doing residency in this this one, or is that the next one? Residency is after these four years. Okay, so what rotations? Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. So when you are in your rotations part of your program, do you stay in this area, like at your college? Do you go to local doctors around? What does that look like for you? That's a good question. So every school handles this ooh a little bit differently, and uh, so it varies. But the common thing is there's a lottery program. And this state and this school divide the state into certain districts, and I don't know how many there are off the top of my head. This is a a me-in-one-year problem that I will worry about then. (laughs) I tend to live day by day, otherwise I will be completely overwhelmed by this program. Um, But you get entered into the lottery, they'll draw you and tell you where you're going. Now there's actually two rotation sites, there's one in Fort Collins and one just south that I'm hoping to end up at, that way I can live at home and save some cost. Um, But I can also end up as far as Pueblo Mm. or I think there's even a rotation site maybe in Utah or something. Um, Hopefully I don't end up there, (laughs) but they're all over the state. I'm hoping I can say I have family up North and they'll put preference to that. I don't think they will. Yeah. But different schools that I've interviewed with have like five States that have rotations. Wow. So you could be there for two years at their campus and then move to, North, South Carolina, um, Carolina, sorry, Dakota. Uh, I'm trying to think. Montana was another one. Idaho was part of the five states. Crazy. Yeah, that's not enjoyable to me. Yeah. (laughs) There's too much unknown about that. But knowing that the odds are heavy that I'll be in Colorado with rotations, even if I don't end up at my top pick, is comforting. Uh, I would not want to move all the way to like North Dakota just for two years. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it would be an interesting experience for sure. You probably learn something out of it, but it's just, you know, it's nice to be close to people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's one of the reasons I chose to stay in state for college. Mm -hmm. You know, not only, obviously the cost was a big portion of that, but I like being two hours away from home. You know, I can get home if I need to, but it's kind of hard for people to come up and randomly. That's what I said. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I said about moving here was it, it was close enough to home I can go if I need to panic and mm-hmm. you know, that's happened once or twice, <laughs> but it's also far enough away that people aren't just going to like come down and bother me while I'm yep. trying to be productive or get things done. Right. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'm glad, you know, there's a lot of, it's a different world, honestly. It, there's similarities in some ways, but there's also differences in others. So, um, I'm glad that you defined some of those terms for us. That's great. Yeah. It's a, medicine's a weird thing. There's a lot of nuance to explain it to people. I don't think that a lot of people get, get it. Yeah. (laughs) Now, when, when you talk about any other program where you're getting a doctorate, mostly PhD programs, you're teaching. So you get a stipend as well because you're teaching like grant money is going for you to teach. So you get paid. Um, That doesn't happen in, 99.999% of healthcare. Like if you're becoming a vet, if you're becoming a human physician of either an MD or a DO, um, a physical therapist or a DPT, you're not getting paid for that. And I think a lot of people don't understand that because if you do like a PhD in uh, music, so you're getting your DM, is that right? Mm -hmm. If you're getting your DM degree, um, you're probably getting paid for that, especially if you're doing research. Right. But 
that's not the case with ships and stuff like that that's right that's right but you're not getting that with this sort of thing and i think that's hard for a lot of people to wrap their head around that i've talked to at least that are getting phds like i have a friend at oregon state getting a phd in chemistry and he's like you're not getting paid and i'm like no (laughs) paid that'd be nice (laughs) so that's not until residency and it's yeah I feel like that's something that the general public doesn't quite understand because I, there's this stigma right around doctors and, and lawyers and people in, we'll call them powerful positions that, you know, they, they accumulate a lot of wealth, but there's also accumulating of a lot of debt For sure. going to school. Yeah. For example, Marcus's mom is a doctor and I believe she's in internal medicine and mm. things like that. She specializes in knowing all the meds and, and things. That's yeah. really the extent that I right. can understand at the moment of what she does. But she just recently, I think within the last year, paid off all of her student loan debt. And she's you know, well into her career. She could probably go for another 10 years and then decide to retire. Like that's, It's taken this long mm-hmm. for her to do that. So it's it's just incredible. It, it kind of blows my mind in a sense that these people who are serving us, you know, in this in this way just have so much sacrifice going on at the same time and and then there's a stigma around it you know that oh these people are maybe some of our highest earners but they don't understand the the context i'll say that goes into becoming that type of person mm-hmm. yeah i'm i'm hopeful that i can take a really aggressive approach to pay off these loans as quickly as possible i think i can do it but if i can't I want it to be on tape that I said I will pay off my loans at six years maximum after graduation, after residency. So there, it's in stone. It is on an SD card in the world right now. <laughs> it is on the internet. And I'm going to come back in 10 years and mock myself. <laughs> so I just want to so say that. Let's do the there. math. You have three more years of this program, then yeah. four more years of I think it would the be... other, and then how many years of... What's Sorry, after that? After I think residency? I, I might have misled you. So I, I'm in at the end of my first year of these four. Um, so yeah, I have three more here. Okay. And then residency is three years, and that's it. So in in seven six years after after the end of residency is when I'm I'm counting so the start of six years. years. I yes. should contact <laughs> yes. you. Have you on the podcast and ask you, Michael? What is the bass clarinet story <laughs> in two? <laughs> Did you pay off your? Hundreds of millions of dollars of loans, <laughs> as you said you would, in cash. In cash. It's <laughs> great. So I know that you're really busy, right? And we talked a little bit about how long it's been since you've played your instrument. And to be honest, like, I'm very busy as well. It's been a little bit of time. I would say I've, I've played my instrument before, you know, after COVID, but not intensely. And um, for you, that looks a lot different. But I remember, you know, in high school, people always said, oh, music looks fantastic on college applications. Granted, you went to college, you minored in music, but I'm wondering, do you think that that made a difference when you applied to med school? Do you think they saw your resume as like, oh, this person was part of music throughout their entire you know, grade school career and then also took it seriously enough to be part of it in some capacity in, in university? Do you think that aided you in getting into the program or not? It's a good question. So to start from the beginning, I think it's important to note that when you are in college, people only care about what you did in high school. That's it. Like before that, nothing matters. When you're in in uh, graduate school, yes. <laughs> when you're beyond your undergrad, doing graduate school, medical school, it's all you know the same. Um, when you're in there, people only care about really what you did in college. That being said, I think it was helpful to have things like uh, leadership stuff in wind symphony and symphonic band. I I made it (laughs) to assistant principal in symphonic band. I aimed really high and I missed. (laughs) So I got to assistant principal, which was good enough for me to put on a resume. No (laughs) one knows what that means. So I'm like assistant principal. (laughs) And we never really even had sectionals when I was in that position. So I hardly did anything other than look at people when they played a wrong note. Naturally. Yeah. yeah. Made them laugh. (laughs) (laughs) And um, something though that I did hear I can't remember where it was, but it was on a podcast with Michael Lowenstern, who runs the Ear Spasm Bass Clarinet YouTube channel, which I got to meet him at Clarinet Day one time, which was <gasps> amazing. Um, he mentioned that musicians tend to be good presenters. 
um, and good with interviews because we're used to having those butterflies and nerves and going up in front of, I don't know, hundreds or dozens of, it depends on the context, right. of people in the art museum playing solar flare festival. <laughs> we're used to those butterflies of going up and, and delivering something. Yeah. Um, we're, so, we're used to performing exactly. and so much of you know life is performing teaching right. is performing mm-hmm. interviews are performing yeah. talking to a patient can be considered performing oh, absolutely i get the same like gut feeling weirdness uh walking into the room with a standardized patient to do my exam as i did when i would get up on stage and play rossini's intro theme and variations for the studio um, so again, like he was saying, Michael Lowenstern was saying was musicians tend to make good presenters and we're able to deliver presentations. And that has come in and it's been helpful. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently joined the academic medicine and leadership track at the school. I know. <laughs> <Straight my tie. laughs> and we had to give a speech and I think it helped like knowing how to handle nerves and try to work under that and then they called on me like a week and a half ago to give another unprepared speech and i didn't know i was going to speak until like 10 minutes before i went up and it was a train wreck so (laughs) it was just horrible there were a lot of ums and Uh. likes and i don't know what i'm talking about and i forgot one girl's name but i just played it off like i was deep in contemplative thought and i felt really bad (laughs) so it definitely comes in um handy there and i think that something else that's helpful is again just it being on my resume that I was in marching band, having mm-hmm. done it in high school, I, I got to teach, not really teach, but facilitate learning marching technique yeah. to some classmates yeah. those two years that I did it. Um, so I think that might be on my resume, but definitely like I was principal bass clarinet with Henry. Um, that's on there. Assistant principal clarinet. Those are all leadership things that go yeah. a really long way. And I think, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And music, that's one of the things that's actually a big part of my teaching philosophy is how music assists in developing those life skills that are so important down the line. You know, that's, and so much of what I've seen as I'm applying is, you know, people really value that people really value the, the structure that music provides, but also the the skills that it gives, you know, same with like debate or the forensics team, public speaking type stuff, like you get used to that feeling, you know, that presentation that that moment where you're up there in front of others and you're almost really vulnerable with others. But I don't know, music, it's just, it's such a big thing. You know, you've got responsibility, you've got leadership, you've got teamwork, and those are all things that are very applicable to the world. And basically no matter, you know, the content of your job, you've got to have some of those basic skills, you know, everyone from a fast food worker to, you know, people in university have to have those skills. And I mean, it looks a little bit different if you're working from home, but you still have to be able to converse kindly with folks and, figure out how to break things down, delegate, you know, work together. It's just, it's big. Mm-hmm. Um, there was something you said that I was going to go off of and I lost it. But the train has left the station. Yeah, train's long gone. <laughs> Man, I wish we had the train. We could add another train break. <laughs> <laughs> Michael is lucky enough not to live by a train. It's That's great. true. That's true. It's not... <laughs> Going right through the neighborhood or <laughs> right through campus. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. Both are ridiculous. Both both are ridiculous. Yeah. So, Michael, as we come to a close of this episode, what are your last thoughts for us? Yeah, I think the first thing that comes to mind really was, as a biology major, my lectures were 130 people minimum, often. Uh, we would fill up the entire lecture hall in Clark, the big lecture hall that most music majors probably never step foot in. And we would fill up the chemistry lecture hall to take our exams in there. So it's really difficult to make friends or meaningful relationships, at least. So something that I encourage anyone listening that I don't know if someone is following in my footsteps. I actually had briefly a mentor that I didn't really know very well, but I DM'd over Instagram, who was a music minor and science major to get into the studio, kind of get acquainted. Um, But I encourage these people to look into doing something like studio. Uh, It was, it was so good that I was able to get like 14 close friends off the bat rather than this is a lecture hall of 200 people. I'll sit next to you. What's your name? Cool. <laughs> I may I'll, not sit next to you next time. But uh, now I know your name, I guess. now I won't sit next to you because you're eating an onion sandwich. And I'm like, I'll sit over here. Oh, that guy cheated off me on an exam. Did happen. Oh, and then, okay. like, 
it's uh, it's very difficult to make friends when there's 200 people in a lecture hall. So being in studio helped out just to like in a basket, beautifully wrapped. It was like, here are your friends. <laughs> and it worked out. Obviously, you're sitting here in my living room. So something went right. <laughs> and lastly, I think it's important to note that if you really desire something, if you really want to be doing something, in my case, it's medicine. I took my MCAT the first time in April 2019, and I got a 502, which was like barely above 50th percentile. It was embarrassing. It was frustrating. It was heartbreaking that I was going to have to take a year off of school rather than going straight in. But if you really want something, you'll find a way to make it happen. And that's what happened. I retook my MCAT. I worked my tail off to improve my score in some sections. I improved by some points. I don't really feel like it's necessary to share because it's still not a beautiful (laughs) score, but it was good enough. Um, I interviewed again. I interviewed again at different schools. I applied differently. I reworked my personal statement, all of these things. I think it's important to note that if you really want something, you will find a way to make it happen. I agree. I think that so many people have realized that as well over the pandemic, because, you know, the circumstances changed for everyone and it was tough for people to do things. And I'm most impressed. And I think that that's really shines through in the younger members of the undergraduate Mm -hmm. um, degrees in the music school like the freshmen and sophomores right now, because I think of them and I realize that they came into a difficult program, a music program, a performance-based program on Zoom. Like they knew it wasn't going to be what they thought it was and they were still devoted enough to keep going and keep pursuing Mm -hmm. it. So if you're listening, freshmen and sophomores at CSU, (laughs) almost uh, sophomores and juniors, props to you. I'm so proud of you and keep up the hard work. I hope you were listening. That'd be fun. (laughs) And as a closure to our episode, I just want to say thank you to Michael. Thanks for having me here. It was my pleasure. So thank you again. Michael fed me dinner. It was great. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess I made dinner, but Michael provided the food. So it was, it was fantastic. Yeah, it would have ended up on the floor if I was <laughs> doing the making. <laughs> but <laughs> it was great. But Michael's here. Michael's letting us use his awesome equipment. And Michael's just also a fantastic friend. Thank well, you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Michael, for being on my podcast. Um, Thank you, listeners, for listening to my podcast. I appreciate all of you. Don't remember, well, don't remember, don't forget (laughs) to, you know, like and subscribe and do all those great things and take a listen. Check out the Instagram, like some of our photos there. Hopefully we can find some, you know, fun clarinet clips from Michael and I performing that duet. I'm sure there's something somewhere. We'll have to look it up. I think there is. Yeah, that'd be great. Other than that, We have some special stuff coming up in the future and take a look at our next episode to figure out how it's going to look. I think next episode, actually, Michael is going to interview me. Natalie on the hot seat. Yeah. Turning up the heat. I know. (laughs) I haven't really been interviewed on this podcast yet. And I've talked a little bit about my next steps here and there with different guests, but I've never really laid them out as to, you know, what my plans are. So it's going to be a great opportunity to finally... And not that it will be a big reveal or anything, but just kind of lay it all out there, talk about my goals, see where we're going to go in the future. And I think Michael has some extra things up his sleeve, so I I am not prepared for this. (laughs) It's going to be a grill session. So So definitely tune into that one. And then you'll get a little bit more information about what this podcast is going to look like in the future as well as I go into my first couple you know years of teaching even through the summers that's going to be a different um, whole thing there so listeners thanks so much for sticking with me and we'll see you in two weeks or so bye so Michael as we come to this close you know in our no let me try that again <laughs> no, that's what I heard did you say Michael as we come to the news <laughs>